Well, good morning. Welcome again to Bridgewater. My name is David. I serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, so glad that you decided to join us. We are in our Christmas uh, series, Christmas season here. Uh, it's pretty wild that we're almost at the end of 2023. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that. But uh, before we get into our message for today, I actually have two updates for you. The first is if you were here last week, you heard me talk about how we had a uh, donor here at our campus that wanted to do a matching donation of up to $10,000 for our vision giving for 2023. Um, um, talked about the different things that we're trying to uh, raise money for, um, some projects and ministries that we think will be very helpful as we move into uh, next year will help us make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And so uh, there was, a, like I said, there was a, a donor that wanted to do a matching donation of up to 10000 And as of Friday, um, we're about halfway towards that ten. Um, and so I just wanted to let you know that and uh, remind you about that and let you know you can continue to give towards vision up through the end of the year, um, which, like I said, it's hard to believe that that is almost here. Um, but we're excited to see what God is going to do with the, uh, that money and with those projects as we continue to uh, move forward with the mission of making more and better disciples of Jesus. And if you've been with us for the past six months, uh, you know that we are in a time of transition as a campus. Um, we are searching for another campus pastor to serve uh, here in Halstead. And so we've been trying to update you uh, with where we're at um, uh, every month. And so this is your update for the month of December. Uh, last time we talked and told you that there were two candidates um, that we were talking with, and that is actually still true. Um, but one of those is a different candidate. So one was removed and another was added. Um, and so we're still in the early stages stages with both of those uh, individuals, um, but the good news is that um, we haven't stalled out. Um, there are still, uh, we, progress is being made, and there are still people who are interested in joining what God is doing here. Um, so I'd just ask you to continue to pray um, for our leadership as we uh, try and determine who God might have uh, for us next, and then also for these two individuals, that uh, God would give them great clarity as to um, if this is what God has for them. Uh, and so I want to actually pray right now, and then we'll, we'll go into our message for today. Father, we want to thank you for your church. God, thank you for how you are at work. 26 baptisms. Thank you for how you change lives and how you move in hearts. Thank you for letting us be a part of that. Father, we have some things that we are trying to raise money for um, for next year. We ask that you would bless and multiply that money because, God, we're trying to do what you want us to do. We're trying to reach people, and we think these projects will help us do that. And, Father, as we search for the next campus pastor for um, Halstead Campus, God, would you give us great wisdom? Would you help these two individuals as they are in the process of, of talking with us and figuring out, is, is this what God has for me? Would you give them great clarity even right now? Um, and would you help us as uh, a church to uh, follow your leading for who you have next? Uh, thank you so much for Jesus. Um, it's all because of him, and it's all to him and through him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in our Christmas series that we're calling an unlikely Christmas, looking at the elements of the Christmas story that are just incredibly unlikely that we wouldn't have foreseen if we were trying to write this story. And since we're talking about some unlikely things, we thought it might be just a little bit of fun to go down memory lane and look at some advertisements and some statements that are unlikely to ever be used again. And so we're going to have some fun with this. So that means you can laugh, okay? Um, so you're allowed to laugh in church. I don't know if you knew that. You're allowed to have fun in church. Um, in fact, you're encouraged to. So um, the first one is this, um, advertisement for some asbestos, pure white snow. It's fireproof. It's the cleanest. It's whitest. It's the best. 
Aren't you so glad that we had these in our home? Uh, aren't you so glad that we had these around our children? Um, up next, we have a statement about Osama bin Laden. I don't think this will ever be said again. Anti-Soviet warrior puts his army on the road to peace. I don't think anybody's ever going to be saying that about him again. All right, up next, we have this statement about the internet. By 2005 or so, it will become clear that the internet's impact on the economy has been no greater than the fax machines. <laughs> Whoops. I don't think he'll be uh, repeating that statement again. How about this advertisement? I hope the lead I'm mining will be used in your paint. <laughs> I'm really hoping it won't be, actually. I uh, doubt that advertisement will ever be used again. And last, but certainly not least, my favorite, from the makers of aspirin, introducing heroin for non-addictive relief from the cough since 1898. So apparently, if you've got a cough, heroin is your answer. Um, you didn't hear that from your pastor. But uh, it's unlikely that any of these advertisements, these statements will ever be used again. And in a, in a similar way, there's so much in the Christmas story that has never, had never happened before and will never happen again. It's unprecedented. It is unlikely. And so far in our series, we've talked about the unlikely circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth and Mary's really unlikely response to what God told her. And then last week, we talked about the unlikely timing of the Christmas story. And what we want to focus on this week is the unlikely messengers that God chose to use to get the, the news that Jesus had been born out. Today we're going to be focusing on that. And I would love for you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Um, we were there uh, last week in the second half, and now we'll be in the first half of Luke chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one at our Welcome Center for free so that you have a copy uh, of God's Word. This is kind of the classic Christmas passage, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And when they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. So here we have Mary and Joseph in an unknown town and place, uh, having to give birth to their firstborn son. Not, a, not exactly an ideal scenario for your first baby, especially this baby that was going to be the son of God. And I want to keep reading to look at uh, how God, what God does to announce the arrival of his son to earth. Now, keep in mind, this is something that God had been working towards since the very beginning of Genesis. He has been preparing the world. He's been t sending prophet after prophet in the Old Testament, talking about how he's going to send this Messiah. He's going to send someone to save them from their sin, to help them out of the predicament that they are in. He's been talking about this for hundreds, even thousands of years. He's been preparing the world for this, and this is good news for the whole world. And so who does he choose to be his messengers? Let's keep reading in verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. 
I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. And so in these verses, we actually have two groups of messengers, um, the angels and the shepherds. And I think if the angels, really, they, they make sense, if you think about it. Like, if you're God and you have a host of angels at your uh, disposal to do whatever you want, it makes sense that you would send uh, angels to talk about the birth of your son, that you would use angels to let people know about them. But what's incredibly unlikely is who he sends them to. He sends them to a group of shepherds out in the middle of the fields, out in the middle of nowhere. Like, if I was God and I had a bunch of angels, like, I would have sent them to the city, maybe to the temple where there's a bunch of people. I would have sent them to the important people. I would have sent them to the connected people, to the powerful people, the people who could kind of get the word out quickly. That's who I would have sent the angels to. And yet God sends them out into the middle of a field. There's nobody around except for a handful of shepherds. And that is who God chooses to use to be his messengers, to get the word out about the birth of Jesus. It just seems so unlikely. And so our first big truth this morning is that God used an unlikely variety of messengers to proclaim Jesus' birth. He chose the messengers that we might not expect. And you see, shepherds were regular people. Being a shepherd was a rather common occupation in Israel at that time. They were kind of your average Joe. They weren't um, all that important. They weren't necessarily the bottom of the totem pole either, just kind of normal people. And unlike um, most of the other characters in the Christmas narrative, they were not chosen, at least as far as we're told, for their spiritual character. Mary and Joseph were told were righteous. Simeon and Anna that we looked at last week were talked about how they were righteous and devout. The shepherds were not told any of that. They're just apparently just plain old shepherds. They're not chosen for their spiritual character. But these shepherds, once they have seen the baby Jesus, they tell, the text says that they tell everyone what had happened. And so immediately they become messengers of this news about Jesus. Now, we don't know for sure if everyone that the text uses is just exaggerating to make a point, or maybe it just means everyone that they saw that night. But regardless, as soon as they had seen this baby Jesus, they became messengers of this good news. This is the kind of news that you can't keep to yourselves. You have to tell people about it. And I find it interesting that the shepherds were never actually told to be messengers. Like the angels never said, hey, make sure you go and tell everyone about this. They just naturally, when they had seen this Jesus, they said, you know what, this is something the world needs to know about. 
This is something that we can't keep to ourselves. We've got to tell people about this news. The angel said that this is the Messiah. This is the one who's going to save us. We've got to make sure people know about this. They had to share it. They had to become messengers. And I think there's at least two truths that we find in God choosing shepherds. And the first is that God sees and he values the lowly and the average. He doesn't just identify with the rich and the powerful and the religious. The first people that God told about the birth of Jesus were shepherds. They were normal, everyday, common people. And I think it's interesting that God chooses, chooses to send a whole host of angels to these shepherds. Like, wouldn't one angel have served the purpose of getting that message across? It's almost like God is trying to just flex his muscles for these shepherds to let them know how much he values them, how much he cares about them. I would have sent a host of angels, like I said, to the city, to the important people, but no, God's got different priorities. He wants to let these everyday common people know about the birth of his son. He values and he sees the lowly and the average. And secondly, I think more really of where we're going this morning, God chose to use regular people to be his messenger. He chose regular people to let others know about this good news of Jesus. And today, God does not need the important and the powerful. He wants uh, everyone to be a part of getting the message of Jesus out to the world. And so God can use you to be his messenger too. It doesn't matter where you come from or who you are or what kind of social standing that you have or don't have. God can use you to be his messenger of the good news of Jesus. But I want you to notice the response of people to the shepherd's news. Verse 18 says that they were astonished. That was the response of people to this good news. They were astonished. Does it say that all of them believed? Nope. Does it say that all of them went to see Jesus? No. Does it say that all of them went to uh, see Jesus and then followed his life and followed his ministry? Nope. All it says is that they were astonished. And this is important because the same can happen to you as you begin to share the message of Jesus today. You can share the amazing things that Jesus has done in your life, how he's totally radically transformed your life, and people might go, oh, wow, that's amazing. I never thought that you would be one of those Jesus people. And then go right back to their life as normal. Sometimes that's what can happen as we share the good news of Jesus, is people are simply astonished, they're surprised. It wasn't until 30 years later that the shepherd's message began to be believed in great Numbers And just like the shepherds, your job isn't to get people to believe in Jesus. It's simply to share the message of Jesus and what he has done. You see, God has called you to be his messenger, not his convincer. You don't have to try and convince people of something. You don't have to try and make them believe. Just like the shepherds, you just have to share what you've seen and what you've heard. And you let God do the work. And that kind of takes a huge load off your shoulders, doesn't it? Like, we're not responsible for heart change. We're not responsible for life change. That's what God does. We're responsible to be faithful to share what we've seen and what we've heard, how Jesus has changed our lives. Well, there's actually another group of messengers um, of this birth of Jesus that we find in Matthew chapter 2. If you'd want to turn there with me, kind of the other classic Christmas passage, Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. 
About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard about this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called the meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And so here we have these non-Jewish wise men who are coming from a distant land to find this baby Jesus. They, they see this star that rose and they want to worship him. And it's, uh, we don't know how they know that this star represented the birth of Jesus. Um, perhaps God sent an angel to them and let them know. Perhaps they had access to some sort of prophecy that we do not. We just don't know. But they knew that it represented something and they were there to worship him. The point is that they show up in Jerusalem probably a year or so after the birth of Jesus because that journey would have taken uh, quite a long time. And they're asking about this newborn king of the Jews. And this seems to be news to everyone. It's news to Herod. It's news to uh, the religious leaders. It seems to be news to everyone because it says everyone was deeply uh, disturbed. Apparently the news of Jesus' birth hadn't gotten too far or maybe more likely Nobody believed that he actually was the Messiah. They were astonished. They were surprised when the shepherds talked about it a year or so earlier, but they just went back to their life as normal, and it didn't actually change anything. Religious leaders knew that someone was going to come, and they could even point to the prophecy of where he was going to be born, but either way, again, either they missed the memo or more likely they didn't believe it. And you'll notice they don't even follow the wise men. They don't even go and try and check it out. They're just kind of resolved to be like, okay, this can't be the Messiah. This can't be who we've been waiting for. For whatever reason, they're just not interested. They don't even want to find out more. And so now we've got these non-Jewish wise men who would have been seen as spiritually inferior because they were not Jews. They were, probably would have been seen as important and that they were likely um, rich. They have some pretty expensive gifts to give. Um, they were likely educated, they're called wise men, so they would have been important in that sense, but they would have been religiously inferior because they were not Jews. They didn't have a Jewish heritage, they didn't follow the Jewish laws, and so they would have been kind of religiously outcast, religiously inferior. That's who God chose to use to be his messengers. These are the second group of messengers that we see God use. Not someone local, not someone in a position of power, not even people belonging to God's chosen nation of Israel. He chose the religiously inferior. And so we see in the Christmas story 
that God chose unlikely messengers to proclaim Jesus' birth. He didn't choose the religious leaders as we probably would have. He didn't choose the rich and the powerful as I certainly would have. Instead, he chose average shepherds and sacrilegious wise men to be his messengers of the good news that Jesus had been born. The good news for us today is that God can and he does do the same today. He uses the average He uses the rich, he uses the poor, he uses the socially connected and the socially not so connected. All of us can be a part of being his messenger. So God can use you to be his messenger too. No matter your social standing, no matter your income level, no matter your religious uh, ability, your religious background, whatever it might be, God can use you to be his messenger too, to share the good news that a Savior has come and his name is Jesus, that hope is available because of the good news of the Christmas story. I think some of us might hear that and think, okay, that sounds, that sounds fine, but I'm not sure that I know enough to be his messenger. Like, I'm not sure I'm educated enough in the Bible. I'm not sure I've got enough theological knowledge to be a messenger of Jesus. Well, the good news for us is that to be a messenger of Jesus, you don't need to know everything. You just need to point to Jesus. You see, the shepherds, they didn't know all that much. They just had a a quick message from some angels, and then they went and they saw this baby Jesus, and they were so overjoyed, they had to share it with somebody. Wise men, they didn't know all that much. In fact, they started becoming messengers of this good news of the birth of Jesus before they had even met Jesus. They didn't know all that much. They were just like, I've got to find this this baby Jesus. They were just pointing to Jesus. And the same is true for us today. You don't need to know everything. You just need to point to him. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to know the whole Bible. You don't need to be ready for every question that someone might ask. Just got to point towards Jesus. Jesus, and you can be his messenger. As you came in on your seat, there was a, two different things. Um, the first was this uh, quarter sheet that says starter questions. And on it, there's some questions that you could use to help you become a messenger of Jesus. What they are is they're just starter questions for a spiritual conversation. They're questions that you can ask that might get a conversation started about Jesus, about God, about spiritual things. And some, you might look at those, some of those and be like, I would never ask that question. That's fine. <laughs> They're just some ideas of some things that you could use to start spiritual conversations. And let me uh, just encourage you that most people are far more open to having conversations about Jesus than we often assume that they are, especially when we lead with questions as opposed to making truth statements. When we lo- lead with questions, often that disarms people and it says, oh, they, they're actually interested about what I think. They care what, what I think and what I value and what I believe. This person might actually want to be my friend and not just shove Jesus down my throat. And so when we lead with questions, it can be so incredibly helpful. And so these are just some examples um, that you could use. I would encourage you to take this and put it somewhere that would help, you remind, help remind you of these kind of questions and to be somebody who asks these types of questions to start spiritual conversations. And the other thing on your chair was, um, as Luke mentioned, these Christmas invite cards. Um, We have our Christmas services coming up next week. Um, It's hard to believe they're starting six days on Saturday. Um, Next Saturday and next Sunday at 3.30 and at 5. Uh, And so we would encourage you to take these and invite some people in your life who need to uh, to hear the good news of the Christmas 
story. And the invite could be as simple as handing them and say, hey, handing it to somebody and say, hey, I hope that you will celebrate Christmas with us. It could be as simple as that or it could be as involved as, listen, I found someone who has radically changed my life. It's given me hope. It's given me peace despite my circumstances. I'd invite you to join us for Christmas as we talk about how you can find that same hope too. So church, I'd encourage you to take these and invite some people in your life. Become a messenger of Jesus and share the good news of the Christmas story. You see, God chose some unlikely messengers. And if you think about it, even more unlikely than the shepherds and the wise men is actually the baby Jesus himself. You see, of all the unlikely messengers, the most unlikely was the baby Jesus. Because if you're God and you are trying to uh, get the word out, why would you send a baby? Like, it's wild enough that God chose to become man, but it's even crazier that he would become a baby and not just skip over to being a grown man. Like, to become a baby that has to have his diaper changed and is totally dependent on his mother and his father. What a limited container for the infinite God of the universe. And yet, that is exactly the plan that God had to change the world. That is exactly the plan that that God had to share the greatest news that ever could be shared. You see, God sent Jesus ultimately to be the greatest messenger of his love. John 3.16, a verse you probably have heard a bunch of times, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believed in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, God loved you, God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus. And if you will believe in him, you can find forgiveness of your sin and eternal life. That is really the good news of the Christmas story. See, the Christmas story does not end with a baby in a manger. It continues with a man dying on a tree, paying for your sin and paying for my sin. And it ultimately ends three days later in an empty tomb. That is the good news of the Christmas story. That God has sent Jesus to die in our place for our sins so that we could find forgiveness from our sin. That's the good news of the Christmas story, that a baby came to earth to rescue us from ourselves and bring us back to God. And so my question as we close is this. How will you respond to Jesus this Christmas? Is he just a baby in a manger to you? Or is he Lord? Does he have any effect on your life outside of Sunday morning and when you think about it occasionally throughout the week? It struck me this week as I was looking at these uh, passages that Jesus was divisive from the very beginning. From the very beginning, from the moment of his birth, some people wanted to kill him and some people wanted to worship him. And that stayed true through his entire life and that has stayed through, true through all of human history since then. There are those who want to worship Jesus And then there are those who want to ignore him or at least ignore his claims to be Lord of their life. There's even those who are out to destroy him and out to destroy his mission. And so what about you? What will your response be to Jesus this Christmas? I would urge you to look beyond the presents and the trees and the eggnog, as great as all that is, and to see more than just a baby in a manger, but a risen Savior 
If you've already accepted Jesus as your forgiver and leader, then you get to be one of his messengers to tell the world about it. I encourage you to take those cards that were on your chair, start some, some conversations about spiritual things, invite them to Christmas, be a messenger of the greatest news that there is. Hope has come. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. If you're here and you've not yet made Jesus your forgiver and leader, then I would ask, what is holding you back? You could make this Christmas the best one yet, the one where you found the baby Jesus to be more than just a baby in a manger, but to be the, the risen Savior who can bring you into a whole new life of peace and forgiveness of your sins. Let me pray as we close our service. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you that you loved us enough. You so loved the world that you sent your one and only Son. Father, thank you that you chose some unlikely messengers to get that news out. You chose shepherds in the middle of a field, those who were pretty average, pretty common. Thank you that you chose the, the unreligious wise men, those who have been looked down upon for not being Jews to get the message out about this, this good news that a baby had been born. And God, you do the exact same thing today. You use unlikely people like me, unlikely people like those sitting here today. God, I pray that we would be a part of getting the greatest news out, that we would be messengers, that we would look beyond um, just our, our circumstances in our life, but that we would become people who want to, regardless of what it costs us and regardless of maybe a little bit of awkwardness or whatever it might be, that we would be people who are willing to share the good news of Jesus, who like the shepherds, who can't even really contain the joy and it just so overflows out of them. Because I've seen this Jesus and he has changed everything. Father, thank you so much for the good news of the Christmas story that we get to celebrate this time of year. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.